The Quintessential Podcast is proud to announce that we have a new presenting sponsor, Axia Time. Axia Time is a really cool watch company focused on ultra-custom watches to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments. Watches whose styling and quality match the significance of the accomplishments they represent. Axia Time is also partnered with all the leading lacrosse organizations to create all-American timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. Axia Time even creates timepieces for elite awards like the Tuareton and Naismith. If you're interested in a high-quality, Swiss-made timepiece to commemorate a great accomplishment, you need to check out their designs at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. If you're celebrating a team achievement, like a state championship, national championship, or even world championship, you have to check out the timepieces they created for teams like Jesuit Dallas, the University of Maryland, and even the USA U21 world champions. Quintessential Podcast welcomes in new Denver Pioneer head coach, Matt Brown. Coach Brown, uh, welcome. First of all, congratulations. Uh, I don't think I've spoken to you since uh, the world championships but uh you're back on campus now you're in the big chair i see what's it been like no it's been fun quint you know it's uh great to be back as always you know welcoming the new the new piles the freshman group we've got a great returning uh leadership group as well with seven calm super seniors back for their their fifth year and you know we we started practice a few weeks ago and um you know we're in week three um, it's been a great start and um, looking forward to competing this weekend. We've got a couple scrimmages up against uh, Colorado College and, and Utah is making the bus trip over the Rocky Mountains to to play at Peter Barton. So, uh, so far, been, it's been a lot of fun. Longtime assistant to head coach Bill Tierney, now the, the head man. Uh, a, lot, a lot of folks uh, perhaps need to know some background about you. Where'd you grow up, Matt? And, and when did lacrosse become the thing? I grew up just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, a town called Burnaby. Um, Steve Govett, you know, GM president of the San Diego Seals is a Burnaby native as well. And, uh, you know, really knew nothing about field lacrosse. And I was when I was young and played box lacrosse in the summertime, played hockey in the wintertime. A lot of the same teammates, mostly the same coaches um, kind of moved into high school and got to a point where you know, I, I was telling some recruits this story here, you know, often the last month is, I was working at a Safeway stock and shelves and I came home and I said to my dad, I don't want to be doing this the rest of my life. And, and he said to me, well, what are you going to do about it? And uh, so I started blasting a whole bunch of emails out to any, any school that I could find that had a lacrosse team, some of which only had women's teams uh, funny enough. And, and, you know, within 45 minutes, Jamie Monroe from university of Denver called me uh, two weeks later, had me down for a visit and the next thing you know, I was uh, I was becoming a pioneer. And so I came down here, uh, played four seasons here, graduated from the University of Denver, um, played played in the NLL immediately after college. Took one year off of um, kind of doing nothing, living as I say, living the good life down in Arizona, playing golf during the day and playing poker with the teammates at night. And um, and then came back in two thousand summer of two thousand and six and, and started this coaching journey here at DU uh, and been with the program, you know, ever, ever since. So just been, just been lucky uh, to be one at one spot, uh, another to be at my alma mater, to be at a school that's given me and really has changed my life. Um, And so I owe a lot to Jamie. I owe a lot to coach Tierney for when he, when he made the move out West, keeping me on board and and believing in me. 
Um, and, you know, it's just a special place, this University of Denver. And uh, we're, we're lucky that lacrosse is, 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 is as important as it is here at the school. Jamie was always willing to fish uh, lakes or streams that others weren't. Uh, so did you have any field experience at that point? Very minimal. You know, I, uh, we, would, we would play field lacrosse on Sundays in Canada. And it was more of, think about soccer match on a field but you're playing lacrosse. You had maybe one sub and you had center midi, you had left midi, you had right midi, and you would rotate between being a center midi for one half and the goalie for the second half because, you know, you, you had good hands. And so that was the the little experience that, that I had playing field lacrosse. Um, I just finished playing in the Minto Cup and, you know, I owe a lot to this gentleman by the name of Lindsey Sanderson from Orangeville, um, didn't know him at the time, but just played against Orangeville. Brody Merrill was on that team uh, in the Mental Cup in 2000. And, and Jamie called Lindsay to check in to see, as an opposing coach, what did you think of this this kid from Burnaby, Matt Brown? And he just gave me a raving review. And, uh, you know, anytime I go up to Orangeville, I, I make it a priority to go spend some time and um, and sit with Lindsay. What was your game like on the field for fans who didn't get to see you play? Describe Bob. Describe what you did well because you did it really well. <laughs> I I had the easy job, Quint. You know, it was uh, you know I I would put the ball. I would be the fit the finishing touch to the play. You know, I could put the ball in the back of the net uh, most of the time. So sometimes not, but uh, you know, I, I would I would tell you that probably the the best skill like most. Canadians is I could catch you know under duress and catch in tight spaces you know when uh, when I end up playing in the MLL uh, I played alongside two great attackmen which I learned a lot from actually and took a lot of their pieces of their games into what we do now here with the pioneers you know from a coaching standpoint is Brendan Mundorf and Drew Westervelt you know the two uh, the two retrievers from UMBC and uh you know, those two guys kind of did all the dirty work and, and I was just able to to kind of capitalize and finish at the at the end. Denver Outlaws, uh, certainly a, a good era for, for that franchise. Really exciting times uh, in, in Denver with the indoor team taking off, the pro field team playing in the big stadium. That July 4th game was was always uh, was always awesome. I, I loved my time on Larimer Street. They've changed Larimer Street quite a bit, coach. I, I was I was there uh over over the uh when was I there for a PLL this summer and Larimer Street's gone like corporate it's gone touristy yeah very very different you know a lot of those nice restaurants that were there um have kind of moved elsewhere which is which is too bad but to your point back in those days when the outlaws first came to town you had the mammoth were rolling coach T's coming out west you know what what a moment for lacrosse what a moment for lacrosse here in denver in in the west and it was fun to uh fun to be a part of it those july 4th fireworks games um those were those were moments that uh you'll remember you know forever yeah you know, people don't get to play in front of crowds like that uh anywhere what when did coaching become the path well jamie called me when i was down in arizona taking my year off playing for the Arizona Sting in the, in the NLL, he called me up near the end of the season. And he said to me, he says, I got a volunteer coaching position. Would you, would you want to do this? And, and, you know, I was like, absolutely. And uh, while I was down in Arizona, I, I started doing some, I would guess, freelance coaching. I was floating around the, the town, you know, Scottsdale and Phoenix area. 
uh, and high schools were bringing me in to run practices. And you know, I was teaching, in essence, I was trying to teach the box game on the field to to a lot of these 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 uh, coaches and players that never had any experience to it. And and I learned then that I really I really loved coaching, and I loved interacting with with the players and teaching the guys. And uh, so that's when I started to develop this this passion for coaching. When Jamie gave me the opportunity to come back. To, to the University of Denver, it was a no-brainer for me. And uh, that first year, I knew that this is where I wanted to be. And, and I wanted to be at the place that, as I mentioned, gave me everything in my life. And my goal was, as it was as a player, to try to take this place to, to the highest it could possibly be. And, um, you know, and so I fell in love with college coaching that first year. The next year, I was able to jump on into a paid position and then slowly kind of worked, worked my way from there. I think about some of the better offensive coordinators having uh, their origins as inside players offensively who understand what it takes to develop an offense to score laps or to get the ball to the high percentage shooter. Bob Benson, Providence being one, you, you, you being the other. Who provided your uh, coaching strategies uh, going from box to field? Like who, who are people who are influential in the way you choreograph your offense? Yeah, that, that's a great one. And and I would say probably I learned the most from when I was playing in the in the pro leagues. And, and it wasn't necessarily coaches. It was more the players. And I had an opportunity playing for the Outlaws and playing for Arizona. I was with Portland. I was a little bit of a suitcase in the NLL for a few years, but I got a chance to play with some phenomenal lacrosse players. And I always would just listen to them and kind of pick their brain of, you know, what was, what was working for them? What, what wasn't working for them? You know, we had case, we had uh not case Ryan Powell came to Denver for a season or two and, you know, what a treat it was being an off ball player playing with, with the Rhino, you know, he was unbelievable. You know, you made one move on the inside and your stick was open and he would feed that ball in there. And, and then, and then when really when coach T came to Denver and he in essence kind of gave me the reins immediately um, I started to heavily recruit more Canadians to get them into our program. And it was just kind of, how do we blend? How do we take these great skills that a Canadian has um, and the limitations that he may have as well and blend them with an American player in, in what they can do? Um, and so that's kind of where it was almost like trial by air. We would just try things, try different things and see what would stick. And um, we, we, we kind of created a bunch of neat stuff that we continue to use, you know, today, but um, you know, th those were the days when your practices were, you know, it was 90 minutes of half field, you know, coach T would be at one end coaching the defense. I'd be at the other end coaching the offense. We'd be down there for 90 minutes. You know, nowadays with, as the game has changed and it's more of a full field game with the addition of the shot clock, you know, you, you probably don't have that luxury of spending that much time in the half field, but um, that's kind of really how this, evolved and how you know we were, we've been able to be creative with within the field across scope let's turn things forward to this this uh this fall or, or the right now uh, and talk about some of your players uh first of all i was going through your roster you got a guy in your roster named jackson brown jackson brown yeah jackson yeah. brown does he does he obviously uh the older people uh who listen to this podcast know very well who jackson brown is yeah jackson one of my brothers he was one of my brother's favorite favorite singers in the uh to be late seventies, early eighties, I guess. Quick, quick one about Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown 
did not play high school lacrosse. Wow. Did not play high school lacrosse. So football player, track star, uh, played club lacrosse. His high school team just didn't have a high school team. Um, state of Washington, Washington, and, um, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Uh, unfortunately, had a little bit of a, a, a setback with a, a, a little injury. Thank, thank goodness it's not as serious as we initially thought in his first couple of weeks of practice. But uh, really looking forward to Jackson and the athleticism that he's going to bring bring to the field. What is uh, your faceoff man, Alex Stathakis, like as, as a young man? He's unbelievable. Um, I've been around and been lucky enough to be around a lot of great players and even better people. And staff is is right up there. He is him, Jack Hanna, Wesley Berg. You know, those are the three most greatest competitors that that I've ever been around. Um, staff is just a phenomenal person. He he is he he is exactly what we want every one of our guys to be. And that that is an absolute warrior on the field, somebody that does not take a single shift off, somebody that demands the most of his teammates, and an absolute gentleman off the field. And uh really proud of him and excited that he's back for his fifth year. Really proud that he got drafted by in the in the National Cross League, you know, uh, last week there. We actually had four players drafted in the NLL all being American, you know, we've, we've only had wow. that their time. And that was all four Canadians. These guys all got drafted, all American players. And I was really excited to see that stats going to have a great year and he's going to go off and be a phenomenal pro. I played for a year in the old MILL for the Thunder teammates of, of Gary Gate uh, played against, you know, your guys, Marichek and uh, Johnny Tavares up in Buffalo. That what a rewarding year! I'd recommend for all American players, you know, dive in, go for it. Uh, it it's amazing now. You think about the cities that have San Diego, Las Vegas, what Vancouver, uh, Atlanta. You know, we, we were we were kicking around Buffalo, Rochester, Buffalo, Rochester, and 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 Philly. Uh, you know, I don't know. There wasn't like a signature road trip that where you said, yeah, we get to go to, we get to go to where we get to go to Roch or we get to go to Buffalo. The old Roch Vegas, as they call it, right? Roch Vegas. You know? well, bu Buffalo was crazy. Bu yeah. Buffalo was wild. Uh, that the, the town's always respected that indoor team for whatever reason, there's always been uh notoriety about those players and those games. Yeah. They've got a great fan base. Uh, Chippewa Street has always been buzzing and uh, they've, they've seen a lot of greats come through there. But, you know, as you as you mentioned, you know, with the National Lacrosse League, you, know, you look at the ownership groups that we have in our sport now. What a change from those days. And it, they're just making it a true professional league. And it's going to take the American player to continue to evolve and continue to grow. And so I couldn't be more excited to see more U.S. players playing the playing the indoor game. So, yeah, again, back to Alec, he. he he to me he looks like a pro he wins like a pro you're telling me he behaves like a pro uh he i would say at that position what he, he's got to continue to evolve with the rules they seem to change yearly two years they're different in different leagues how do you advise the face-off position now in this environment where sixes is probably not going to have very many face-offs the pll changed the rules this summer like the, these guys got to stay lighter on their feet what what what, what would your advice for, for fogos be well, I'll tell you what we do here is we, we don't let them take a single draw until, you know, a couple of days prior to, to scrimmaging. And, and so we make all of these guys be offensive players. We did it with Trevor Baptiste. We've done it with staff. 
Um, we're doing it currently with our young, you know, freshmen and sophomores. You know, they all need to learn how to play the game. You know, the most important skill is one, they got to be able to pick up the ground ball in a variety of different ways, and they need to get themselves out of sticky situations. Um, and not every situation is going to be the same. And so, um, and then can they capitalize at the offensive end? You know, how much value do you bring to a team if you can handle the rock and come down and push the ball in transition or pull the ripcord in a little cat and mouse game, you know, and be an offensive threat? So it's not, and, and this is, this has kind of been my pet peeve with, with the faceoff. It's not just about winning the clamp, you know, especially now with the way the rules have changed. It's all about timing of the whistles. It's all about, you know, who's, who's kind of on it that day, um, who can counter really well. Um, you know, it's, it, to me, it's becoming less and less about the clamp, uh, which I think is a good thing. Um, it's going to highlight um, the skills that they, that they truly have, that these, that these athletes have, they just haven't been focusing on them, you know, in, until now. And so that's what we go about. And I would encourage everybody that's in that position, especially at the young ages, what we look at when we're, when we're recruiting is not just a guy that can get the plastic over the ball, but can he do more? Can he, can he be an athlete truly in the middle of the field? Jeff Snyder, Rodney Tapp, uh, who was the Alexander guy for team Canada forever. He was like uh, 50 years old and still playing in world championships face-off center center midi nice player but uh i'm looking forward to watching alec, alec play uh defensively you got two studs aj mercurio and jack di benedetto this team feels like coach feels like these guys have been in school forever are they are they, are they like fifth years or, or both fourth years both fifth year guys both started since day one coming onto campus um both are seasoned veterans both are pros uh, mindset, uh, both very different than each other. You know, you've got Jack, who's more of a down low guy. He's really our quarterback of our defense. Um, it's amazing. You know, quick story about Jack. He, he coaches our Denver elite 2024 team, uh, which had a really talented team. And, you know, what, what an amazing, uh, you know, uh, journey to see him evolve with his IQ as a player from coaching. You know, he's been with them for about four years now, and he just continues to get better and better on his own play because, you know, he's seen it from a different lens being on the, on the sideline. So Jack's one of our one of our captains. And then A.J. Mercurio is, you know, he's, he's out of Nevada. Um, he's got an interesting story. He was another one that got drafted into the National Lacrosse League. He'll be a PLL star. He fits that game very well. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. He's got a phenomenal stick. He's crafty with what he does, but he's but he's also kind of in in control. Um, and again, he's got a little bit of presence to him at both ends of the field. So those two guys at the back end, along with Adam Hanglin, who's a returner, and um, and Jimmy Freehill, who's who's a junior um, from Massachusetts, who's who's a stud in his own right. Um, we've got a great core down there at the back end. Denver. Uh has been kind of the, the landing spot for, well, they've been the trigger point for uh, West coast growth. And, and they've really offered an opportunity for California, Utah, Pacific Northwest, Texas, St. Louis, uh, those areas for those athletes to, to stay out West. Uh, at times you guys have had like 19 or 22 States represented on, on, on the roster. It, my guess is that's going to continue, and and that is uh, what is viewed as a strength uh, of your program. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, no doubt, Quentin. You know, I think 
I don't know the exact number this year, but we might be at our all-time high with how, how many states we're representing. And, uh, and I think it's also, it benefits us with the growth of the sport. It's, it's now growing all over the place. You know, we have, you know, a young man from, uh, you know, Kansas city, we've got somebody this year from Boise, Idaho, you know, and so in, and and everywhere, you know, elsewhere. And so, um, you know, we, we try to kind of be that spot where it doesn't really matter where you're from. Uh, it, it matters if, if you believe in, in who we are and what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, I think getting kids on campus, it's, it's a pretty, you know, once they get here, that's kind of the, the that's the hardest thing for us to do. But uh, once they get here, they see the importance of our sport and how much it means to the university. Um, but we are kind of, we're not your I-95 corridor. You know, we have some guys from there. Um, we have some guys from, from Colorado. We have some guys from Ohio and north of the border. But, you know, we, we don't discriminate when it comes to where you're from. You know, if, if you fit the mold of what we're looking for, you're a great person, um, you want to compete, and you're internally motivated to, to challenge yourself um, in the classroom, but also on the lacrosse field to take your take your game to the highest level, then we feel like this is this is a great spot for you. Um, and we've had we've been lucky. We've been very fortunate. We've had a lot of guys that that have fit that that have come through the doors here. It is. It, it's it's a great it's a great time for Denver. I mean, the, the city is is booming. Uh, I was there, I, as I said earlier, I was there for the PLL, and then I came back. And actually, we went to Vail after the PLL for four days with my family, which was. In, in mid to late August, it couldn't have been nicer. It was unbelievable. But a couple of weeks ago, I was at Boulder, and again, it was just amazing for for the you know Colorado football game. Uh, but you you, meant, you mentioned those states. It's so so your recruiting has got to be. I'm not actually say different from everybody else, but you've got to have your eyes and 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 feelers out and a pulse uh, on a lot of areas. A that's got to be fun and exciting and fresh. Uh, B, it's, it's got to be challenging. H how do you effectively navigate the fact that now we have lacrosse players from Seattle, Boise, Arizona, California, Texas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, it's a lot of work, you know, but when you have guys like John Gallant, you know, right next to me and you pick up Dave Metzbauer, you know, the, the greatest assistant coach our sports ever seen, the guy that's recruited more people than maybe anybody in, in our game, um, they make it a lot easier. And so, we, you know, we start with our list. To be honest with you, our list was 680 kids coming into this class of 2025s that we went out and we actively saw and that we saw glimpses of. And we liked wow. seeing in their game. And we started with that list and then we started to filter. And we start to go through to see and make contacts with high school club coaches, club coaches, you know, friends that people know them of, you know, are they interested you know, so that we're not wasting time. You know, I think the thing that's different about us is, you know, we, we don't want to sit there and waste time with somebody if we're their, their fifth or sixth school. You know, that doesn't make any sense. You know, if, if we're in their top three and they're interested in, in the University of Denver and everything we have to offer, then, then we're going to be right there. Um, I will tell you that, that we've had more visits to our campus this fall than maybe the last three falls all put together. And uh, it's been a busy time here in the Pioneers front office, but it's been it's been a lot of fun. You know, Coach Metz and Coach Galan are actually touring around two young men and their family right now as we speak. And so um, it's great to get them here. Like to me, that's the big first step. I want them to get here. I want them to see, you know, our school. I want them to most importantly meet our people. 
spend time with our players, be around our locker room, come out to our practice, see the, uh, the energy and the intensity that we, that we train with. Um, and then, and then also interview them to see if, you know, if they're up for it, you know, if they're up for the, the task, because as we all know, you know, especially nowadays being a division one men's lacrosse player, it, it truly is a full-time job and it takes a lot. Um, but it's also, as we both know, Quentin, it's, uh, it's the most rewarding thing you can do. Can you take them, to your home and have them meet your daughters and, and fry up the barbecue and, and, and get it going to see if they really fit in. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to bring them over. That's, that's for sure. You know, luckily be, enough, my girls are around the office all the time. So they're there, whether they like it or not, they'll, they'll meet my daughters. That's for sure. How old are they now? Uh, we got 13, 11 and eight. All girls. Oh, nice. We're right nice. in the thick of it. Yeah. I, I've got a, uh, a 14 year old who's, uh, uh, she's really turned the corner. She's a ninth grader, and uh, I've been happy with what I've seen in the last couple of months. Really quite amazing transformation that young people can make. Uh, a couple guys that caught my eye, Stephen Avery, Michael Lampert, J.J. Silstrop coming back, apparently. Yeah. And then uh, Noah Manning was a guy I think I ran into on the U-20s maybe two summers ago. Uh, he's been a little quiet, but I know he's talented. Uh, th 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 those four guys caught my eye. What should I know about? Any one of those guys? Well, I'll start with JJ, fifth year coming back. Another guy got drafted in the NLL, got picked up by his hometown, uh, San Diego Seals. Um, you know, JJ has been, you know, he's been a little bit of, had a little bit of an injury bug his last couple of years, but, uh, you know, knock on wood, he's in the best shape of his life. Um, and he's, he's driven, you know, he's, he's focused on this last year, this last opportunity that he, that he has. An, an amazing talent, you know, gets the ball out of his stick very quickly. I wouldn't say that he is a pick it up off the end line kind of dodge type of guy, but you know, you, you can't fall asleep on him either. If you put a short stick on him, he, he's going to, he's going to make you pay. Um, and really a student of the game. You know, he has, he's, he's a captain this year. He has taken the lead at the offensive end and he's just done an, an amazing job. So I'm excited for his last, his last uh, year here in a pioneer uniform, you know, you, you move over to Noah Manning. You mentioned, um, you know, watching him at the U-20s over in Ireland. That was a big moment for him. Um, we actually played him more in the midfield uh, there than we did here in his first year. He, we kind of had him pegged as more of a – as an attackman. His off-ball play is, is really strong. He catches everything. But he's evolved his game as well. You know, now his athleticism with, with hitting the weight room, you know, college weight room for the last two years – it's amazing how some of these guys, in particular, a lot of these Canadian guys can change over the course of two years. And so now Noah coming into his junior campaign, you know, extremely more athletic, a lot thicker. He's put on 15 pounds of muscle. Um, and I'm excited to see what what he can do. He'll, he'll probably flex back and forth between the midfield uh, and, and attack. Um, you mentioned Michael Lampert, uh, really, the you know, him and staff are kind of the heart and soul I would tell you that those guys are the heartbeat of our team. Uh, Lamps is from Mar Massachusetts. You know, he's small, he's shifty, strong in his own right. Um, but he, he plays with, with a ton of, ton of edge. Um, he's out right now. He's not going to compete in, in, uh, in fall ball, but he'll be back come January, you know, ready, ready to rock. And then Stephen Avery had a huge year last year. It was kind of his first opportunity to see playing time. You know, here's another example of, you know, somebody from a non-traditional area, Nashville, Tennessee, you know, so he came out of Nashville, Tennessee, was a late 
a late addition to our class, ended up being Tennessee player of the year. Um, and so we picked him up his senior year and we brought him in um, kind of at the last second. It's amazing how, how, how many of those stories you hear about kind of the, the later guys in your class turning out to be some of the better ones. And so Steven's athletic, he's got strong skill set. He can hammer the ball with his feet set. He can hammer the ball with, uh, with his feet on the move. And, you know, with the experience that he had from, from last year, really his IQ of the game has, uh, has blossomed. So all four of those guys are going to be key contributors, contributors for us. Sounds like you bring a lot back. And, and you mentioned Avery from Nashville. I, I was down in Starkville, Mississippi last week, and I met up. I met a lacrosse fan randomly come, comes up to me from Alabama. There were some some reason they were on the Alabama sideline, but then someone from from uh, Birmingham and, and and in Starkville lacrosse fans. And I tell you, ten years ago that never would have happened. Uh, the growth in Nashville, the Carolinas, Florida, Dallas, and Houston. Now it's it's just it, it boggles my mind where we are now compared to where we were. Uh, new 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 field. Fancy, uh, crazy looking new field, like eye catching looking new field. That 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 is talk about uh, new coach Matt Brown, and and here's this field. Woo! Yeah, I tell you, it's uh, you're right. It, it's uh, it's eye catching. Um, it, it, it's it's a wow factor. Um, you know, when our our athletic director, you know, came to me, he had this great idea as far as bringing. You know, we've seen it with basketball. You know, basketball has kind of done some graphic designs and they put it on the court. Um, we did that same mountain and and buildings. Those are that's not necessarily the the skyline of Denver. Those are like historic buildings in in the city. Um, and so we did that on our basketball court, and it turned out fantastic. And so you know, this summer, you know, you, you look at it on paper and 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 it looks really cool. And we need, it was time for us to have a, a new turf. We needed a new turf. The other neat, neat, interesting thing about it is, you know, that's not painted on there. That's not stitched in there. That is manufactured that way. So those those threads, those those fibers are those colors and um, none of the lines are cut in. They actually roll them out. So it's 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 not seamless because there's some seams. But it's as close to being as seamless as you as you possibly can on a lacrosse field. Whereas when you laid turf before, you used to have to cut out every single turf, every single line. And when you do that and you glue it back together with time and and, and sun and snow and all that stuff, it weakens. And so um, the product is is ridiculous. It's phenomenal. When they laid it down at first, I'm not gonna lie, it was bright. You know, it was yeah. it was shocking. Um, but as they lay as they continued to lay it out and they added more of of the green in there and it's settled in it's it's unbelievable and the guys at first kind of felt the same way i did and now they love it and it's it's exciting and um you know one of the things that i take great pride in with being an alum of this place and and being now the head coach of this place is when we built peter barton stadium back in 2005 we were the first ever lacrosse only stadium in in the whole country and we kind of pushed push that forward. And now we created that trend. And now, thankfully, there's a bunch more, you know, it means our sports growing, we want to continue to be at the forefront. And so this is step one of a multi phase approach to continue to upgrade Peter Barton Stadium, um, where we've got kind of the next phase already kind of in the works. Um, and we want to continue to make sure that that PDB is continues to be a landmark here for for not just college lacrosse, but lacrosse, in general in, in the country love the grassy knoll and the hill 
behind the end zone next to the clock tower. Uh, two more, Coach. Just uh, Big East this year, Georgetown, Denver, same group, Nova, Marquette, Providence, St. John's. Feels like Providence is getting better. Uh, feels like Georgetown has lost a bit. Uh, anything in regard to your schedule? Have you released formally your schedule yet for the, for this spring? Uh, and what can you tell fans a, a, about your spring schedule, non-conference? We, we haven't released it formally, but we did make a couple couple additions. You know, I think two things to, to highlight is you have uh, we're opening up the year at Homewood uh, against against the Blue Jays, and so we're we're excited about that. Um, you know, that's that's obviously going to be. Uh, um, you know, a, a, a great one there, there to yeah. me, to so me, that, that, they're back, you know? Yeah, and, no, that, that, that's, uh, is that, is that going to flip flop to Denver and to Hopkins or is it a series that remains uh, in Baltimore? No, it's, uh, they're going to come back to, to Denver in 25. Um, and we'll, nice. we'll, we'll keep that that way for at least for the next two years, hopefully, uh, beyond that. Um, we're, we're going to, we added Cornell to our, uh, to our schedule this year. Uh, Cornell's coming out to, to Denver this year. So that that's a nice, nice addition. Um, and then, and then obviously we we've played Yale the last few years. Um, Ohio state will continue to stay on our, on our schedule. We've got, you know, we've been playing them forever since the, the great Western lacrosse league, along with air force or in-state rivals, you know, you've got this kind of Rocky mountain region that is really competitive now with, with air force, Utah, and us um, kind of a, you know, they're in the same conference together, but, you know, we'll head out to Utah um, to, to kick, kick off uh, their season and uh, they'll return the favor next year. So just a couple new additions with Hopkins and Cornell, um, but going back to the big East, you know, Georgetown, Georgetown, they're the Kings, right? They've been that way for a while. Um, they sit at the top of the throne. We've got a long ways to go um, but before getting back there. You know, the team that the team that is going to be really strong this year and they were strong last year is Marquette. You know, you look at what Marquette did. They lost three one goal games to us, Georgetown and Villanova. I believe they're all in overtime. At least at least two of the three were, were in over overtime. Um, and on top of that, they were able to knock off Penn State, you know, during during the season. And so they're going to be that the Big East is is as competitive now as it's ever been with what Bobby's doing yep. uh, at Providence. And, and I'll be honest with you, we, you know, we've very could have easily lost to St. John's last year uh, at, at their place. You know, Justin's done an amazing job. He's, he's changing things there. And so um, I feel like we have one of the strongest conferences out there in the country and uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great challenge. Last thing, if people want to watch the Pios this fall uh, in person, uh, what, what are their opportunities to see your team this fall? You know, we've got two two weekends, you know, we, we're calling it training camp week. So we got three weeks of training camp. This is week one, uh, and we're going to finish it off this Saturday. We're going to scrimmage Colorado College at, at 11 a.m. and Utah as well at 2 p.m. They're busing over. Um, next weekend, we're, we're going to have an inter-squad game that's open to the public. That's, that's the end of week two of training camp. We're actually going to divide our team up into two teams next week and practice in those two teams and make it for a competitive inner squad game. And then lastly, we bring all the, the pios of the past back for our alumni weekend. It's uh, it's always a great roster. It's a lot of fun. Um, they'll have a, a coach on their sideline that probably most will, uh, most will remember a gentleman by the name of uh, 
William Tierney. Uh, so he'll be coaching up the the, the, the alums. And uh, we have a great weekend with a, a golf outing and a fall celebration dinner and mother's luncheon. And so that kind of wraps up our fall, our fall campaign. But, um, you know, it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm blessed to be this in this position. I'm thankful for the opportunity and just looking forward to, to continuing to get better with these guys every single day. Congratulations, Matt. Uh, eager to watch you coach. Uh, Well-deserved. You were super patient, uh, and, and now it's paid off, and I couldn't be happier for you. Uh, always great to get out to Denver to watch the Pioneers. I hope I'll be out there uh, sooner rather than later. Thanks for uh, spending time with us. Get that grill going this fall during football games, and, and best to your, uh, your young family. Appreciate it. Thanks, Quint. That's it for this week's episode of the Quintessential Podcast. Thank you to our guests. Thanks to our technical director, Dr. Nick Z. I want to thank you for listening. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Axia Time. A watch, what a better gift than a ring. I've got a championship ring. It's collecting dust in a box. I wear watches all the time. Thank you, Axia Time. It's axiatime.com. And we'll see you next week.